If you are not led by Christ, then you will be led by something or someone. You will listen to a competing voice in the marketplace of ideas of how to live your life. Is the one you're following worthy of your devotion and loyalty? This is All Things New with Pastor Barry E. Fields. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He tells us, I am the door. I am the only way in. He tells us that he is the resurrection and the life. He that believes in him, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whosoever believes and lives in Jesus shall never die. He tells us he is the bread of life. He that cometh after him shall never hunger. He that followeth him shall never thirst. And today he reminds us that he is the good shepherd. It is the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. You know, part of the challenge for us in reading the word of God is that there is always a tendency for us to read what we want the text to say rather than what the text actually says. It's the idea that no one comes to the scripture with a blank slate. We all come with our own preconceived notions, what theologians call presuppositions, what we already believe. And if you've experienced this before while driving, if you've gotten a new car, a relatively new car, you've gotten a different car, and you're driving down the road, and all of a sudden you notice, man, there are a lot of cars like this out on the road. Everybody started to drive like me. Well, in all likelihood, those cars were probably there the entire time. You're just starting to notice it's something called confirmation bias. And the tendency for us is to read into Scripture what we would like it to say rather than what the Scripture actually says. And so people take to the Bible to promote their political agenda. People take to the Bible to promote their social agenda, their education agenda, their business agenda, when the Word of God tells us that actually it speaks pretty well for itself. And what you have to do as best you can is say, Lord, let your Word speak to me. Because often the way that you want to hear it and what God actually says are two different things. And that is especially true when trying to discern the voice of the Lord. It said a number of years ago, Franklin Roosevelt, the longest serving president in U.S. history, passed away yesterday, anniversary 1945. Headline ran in the New York Times amidst everything that was taking place in World War II. At any rate, he spent much of his time having to sit through reception lines, the boredom of the same kind of comments and responses that people would give. And so one day he decided to try an experiment to see if it really made any difference what he said during these reception lines as people walked by. And so he began to mumble under his breath as people began to come, I murdered my grandmother today, in a real low voice. Obviously an inappropriate thing to say, but what was incidental to it was the response of the guests who were actually paying no attention to what he was saying. They responded with, that's wonderful, marvelous, keep up the good work, sir. Over and over again, when he responded to the death of his grandmother, they would say, that's great. Until they got to the end, one of the ambassadors from a neighboring Latin American country heard what he said leaned in, whispered in his ear, and said, I'm sure she had it coming. (laughs) 
Do you really hear or do you just hear what you want to hear? Do you know what it is to hear the voice of God? What does he sound like? The scripture describes it. It can be described as the voice of many rushing waters that if you take the universe expanded together, all of the decibels of stars and planets and solar systems and galaxies and put that together, it would be the loudest sound you had ever heard. It would absolutely crush your skull. And yet, more often than not, Jesus speaks in a still, small voice, more of that of a shepherd. So much of the Bible story revolves around farming and shepherding. You think of Abraham, who was called by God, tending his flocks. Isaac and Jacob, his descendants, did the same thing. You think about Moses, who led out in the wilderness with a shepherd's staff. You think of David, who was the shepherd boy who God ordained to be king. You think of Isaiah 40, which says, Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. And then in Isaiah 53, as a sheep before shears is dumb, so the Lord, the lamb, opens not his mouth. The most symbolic sacrifice in all of the Old Testament, even when the Son is sent to enter the world, his arrival is announced via shepherds watching over their flocks by night. He leaves the 99 and goes after the one. That God's heart is a shepherd's heart. And here, God the Son makes another claim about himself, that he is not just a shepherd, but the shepherd. Not just the shepherd, but the good shepherd. Beginning in John 10 and verse 1, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. 
just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon. He's insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Characteristics of a shepherd. A shepherd is one who goes before them. Scripture tells us that God did that in the Old Testament as a cloud by day and as a pillar of fire by night. The idea is that the human heart is meant to be led, and if you are not led by Christ, then you will be led by something or someone. You will listen to a competing voice in the marketplace of ideas of how to live your life. And if you are not following the good shepherd, is the one you're following worthy of your devotion and loyalty? My sheep know my voice. And yet many of us are listening to the wrong kind of voice. Just recently, there was a documentary produced by HBO on the life of Elizabeth Holmes. She is known as one of the foremost supposed scientists and inventors of her generation. And what was amazing about her was she was able to supposedly invent this machine that would read all different types of blood. So it could do different blood tests that you would usually have to go to various places, wait weeks on. It was a, a box not much bigger in my hand with that would supposedly read every single type of bloodstream and, and support over 200 tests, which would help the medical field advance beyond measure. What was unique about her life was at just a young age, how many people she managed to get on board with her company in California. She got former presidents. She got former cabinet secretaries. She got Fortune 500 CEOs. They were extremely impressed with the way she was able to pull together her board of directors. She got capital to the tune of a value of $9 billion. She was considered one of the wonders of the world until they found out that her box didn't work. And she had only let a few people even see the box, including the scientists who were working on it. And now she is being sued to kingdom come for fraud and malfeasance. And everyone who invested in her now has some egg on their face. Even great leaders can listen to the wrong kind of voice. And the documentary says that she supposedly even changed and lowered her voice to sound more authoritative, more effective. Whose voice are you listening to? There's the voice of the culture today that says freedom, sexual liberation. How's that working out? The idea that marriage and sexuality outside of God's plan and protection within his fold can bring any type of happiness when all it eventually brings is pain. We have the voice of whatever you feel like doing rather than living by passion for the one who gave his all for us. We just live by our passions from day to day. If you feel like doing it, great. Feel like coming, awesome. Feel like being there for your family. 
good deal. We even have voices that go beyond our identity. So we will take something in the culture and apply it to our voice. I was at the Hancock County baseball game at Vastwood this past Tuesday night. One of the things that they do for the home team is introduce the players. You know, each player gets to choose his own theme. And it was funny, they played the theme for the uh, for the sitcom, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air from the 80s and the 90s. And every time they would do that, you know, everybody would get up and dance because they all knew that song. But some of the songs that they were playing, I thought, were very unusual because a lot of it was from the, the hip-hop culture, from people in urban areas, and they would come up and play these songs, and I'm thinking, you know, whichever young man is that's playing the song before he comes up, he's playing this about the hood in rural Hancock County, and I'm like, man, you ain't even been to the hood, and you're playing about the hood, and it's like that somehow becomes our identity if we let it. But Jesus says, my sheep Know my voice. The shepherd leads, and then he tells us that the shepherd also guides. In a desert culture where there isn't much water, shepherding is crucial. If you don't have a shepherd, you will die. What I found is most of the time in church life, not in every case, but most of the time in church life, when someone says, I'm not getting fed, it's usually because they're not willing to be led. And if you're not willing to be teachable, to follow the shepherd who gives his life for the sheep, there's danger outside of that. Because not only does the shepherd lead and guide, but the shepherd protects. In the ancient world, the gates and the sheepfold were incredibly important. They would put these gates folds against the the cliff face or against a, a canyon. It would be about waist high. They would put thorns and briars on top of it, and there would only be one entrance and one exit. It was the same location. And either the shepherd would put a bunch of thick brush in front of it once the sheep were inside, or he would lay down there himself saying, I am going to be the door to guard after these sheep in order to protect and warn of the dangers ahead because John 10.10 reminds us that the thief only comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. He says, I come that they may have life and have it more abundantly, that there are wolves out there. There are false shepherds. And in a world filled with danger, you have to know his voice because you can't follow him if you can't hear him. It's not enough just to subscribe to the ethical teachings of Christ. It's not enough to live in a culture that once espoused Judeo-Christian Christianity. Instead, my sheep know my voice. It's interesting how the word pastor is used. Pastors are under-shepherds of the ultimate shepherd to guard and to feed the flock of God. That is our responsibility. And a lot of times we have in our mind... For congregations, you think of it kind of as this precious moments time when people gather together and you're holding the flock and everyone's having a a good experience and a good trip and let's all hold hands and be friends and get along. When truthfully, it feels a lot more like this image. Minus the jean shorts. Wolves all around. Look in each section and call out something that has happened in your life that more than likely you've told us about. And you just want to scream at people, we are at war. And every time you go off into the darkness, we call you back into the light. 
not simply so that we can have people here, not so simply so that we can feel good about ourselves, but because there are wolves out there seeking to destroy your soul. And the shepherd calls to us. And we expose ourselves to his tactics. And here's the thing about the sheep. The sheep, sometimes when you correct them, they bite. <laughs> the most loving thing you can do is often not what the sheep want you to do. It's not take an opinion poll and say, sheep, what do you want to do? That's not shepherding. But the shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I think one of the hardest things about shepherding is a willingness to simply be misunderstood. That no matter how many times you try to explain yourself, that no matter what you do, people are always going to assume motives that are different than the ones you think you have. Here's the thing about these shepherds. When the shepherd breaks them or he takes them through the valley for their ultimate good or he washes them in antiseptic by forcing them underwater, no matter how many times he tries to explain it to them, the sheep don't understand. But the shepherd gives his life for them. And that is especially true when we come to the example of Jesus because here it is again with the disciples and the crowds coming in on Palm Sunday there shouting Hosanna in the name of the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They put the palm leaves down and Jesus remembers those words that he has given to them and he must think to himself, they simply don't get it. Some say he's a demon. Some say he's insane. Why listen to him? Some put their agenda on top of him. Some make money off of him. And yet he lays down his life for the sheep. He says, this is my body, broken for you. This is my blood, shed for you. That he is identifying with them at every point along the way. To the political elites, he says, I've got a better government and a kingdom that will have no end. To those who are wandering along life's journey, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. To the religious establishment that thinks they've got it together, he says, I am the truth. And in a world that's surrounded by darkness, he says, I am the light. And when God begins to touch their hearts... That which they've not seen, they believe. That which they have not yet heard, they understand. And Jesus will say, I have sheep who are not even of this fold. I believe with everything I've got, he's talking about you and me. He's talking about the Gentiles. That in a world filled with stress and suffering and shaming, Jesus bids you come. And where the shepherd leads, there is no fear to follow. That's why he says, the Lord is my shepherd. Have you ever read Psalm 23 in light of the Lord's absence? It can be pretty well translated. I have no shepherd. I want. I don't lie down in green pastures. My soul is not restored. I'm not led by the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. There is no table before me. He doesn't walk through me in the valley of the shadow of death. That without the leading of the shepherd. Our life is in vain. But with the shepherd, we can do all things. In Palestine, you can still see this happen today. The sheep often get mixed up from groups of, of different shepherds. We're used to seeing 
last year, someone on TV run around and get the shepherds driven into their right spot. That's not the way it is in Middle Eastern cultures. The shepherds themselves who are calling them out by name and all these different sheep from all these different flocks gathered together, it would be real easy for you and me to say, which one's which? How do they all get mixed in? Until each shepherd calls out his sheep by name with a unique whistle or unique sound or unique call, and one by one those sheep go and fall after their shepherd because they know his voice. How do you know God's voice? You have to know him. And you have to know that he'll never tell you anything contrary to his word. Nicodemus says from Jesus, you can hear it. You can hear the sound. You can't see it, but you can't tell from whence it comes, whether it goes. That is the voice of God. I get nervous when people say to me, God told me to tell you. Oh, it makes me nervous. Unless it's backed up by the word of God. But I know if I want to hear the voice of God today, all I have to do is read the word of God out loud. And I will hear his voice. And if you're truly a believer, if you're here today and you're backslidden and you're away from the Lord and you're trying to do everything you can to get what you've been taught out of your mind, out of your life, to do your own thing, let me assure you of this. You cannot escape the sound of his voice. He calls back his own. He knows them. And he will follow you to the ends of the earth just as he left the 99 to go after the one. I was about eight years old. I've always had a hearing problem. Now I've got an eyesight problem, too. It comes with old age. Some of you all experience that. So if you see me out and about in the, in the store or on the road and I don't acknowledge your presence, most of the time it's because I can't hear you or I can't see you. I can't hear and I can't see and directionally in any direction at all. It's kind of a, a painful thing to be at it at 34. But it's always been somewhat of a genetic problem for me. And when I was eight years old, I remember going to the ear doctor and seeing all that stuffed animals surrounded by strange equipment. This is, you know, the early, early 90s back before we had electricity and internet and all of these things like indoor plumbing. And I remember my dad would take me in our hallway. We had a ranch-style home. It was kind of long. He would stand at the edge of the hallway, and he'd say, Barry, I want you to turn around when you can hear me. And I wanted everything to be able to turn around and hear his voice, but I couldn't. So we went to the hospital and get ready to have the procedure to have the tubes put in and took a couple of minutes from the tech that was there to put the needle in. My dad was an RN, so he eventually took the needle and put it in him himself. I don't know if that was legal or not, but that's what he did. And as I went into the operating room, I began to remember they were going to put me under. And my dad had told me specifically, he said, now if you get in this and you want to back out, you just tell them that I told you you could get out and we'll do it. And so with all of my eight-year-old vernacular, I began to scream. My dad told me that I could get out of this if I wanted to. He said I didn't have to do this. They put me to sleep. <laughs> and I woke up. I remember feeling parched in my throat, and I remember watching some TV show or cartoon where they just cried out throat, so that's what I did. They gave me some water. I think sometimes... Because we don't understand what the Good Shepherd is doing, that we will wonder, God, why did you allow me to go through this? Why do you allow me to have this pain? 
Why do you allow me to see what I cannot see? But if you can just remember that the shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I'm telling you, when you stand at the end of the hallway, and when you can turn around and hear his voice, it makes all the difference in the world. My sheep hear my voice. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the broadcast. If you found it helpful, please consider sharing it with your family and friends. For more information, check us out online at barryefields.com.